For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Hope Perry. You are listening to Daybreak. Today, Daybreak talks about Princeton's honor code with Prince reporters Claire Silverman and Marie Rose Scheinerman. It's Friday, November 19th. I spoke with head news editor Emerita Claire Silberman and senior reporter Marie Rose Scheinerman to talk about their recent piece reporting on Princeton's honor code. So I'm here with senior reporter Marie Rose Scheinerman and news editor emeritus Claire Silberman. They just published a piece about the university's honor code in which they spoke to eight students who were accused of violating the code, as well as administrators, honor committee members, and peer representatives. So this piece covers a lot of ground. Can you walk me through the three main themes that readers should watch out for? For sure. So in the piece, we cover what it was like to be honor coded during the COVID semesters, Um, the mental health effects that students face following being honor-coded, and how efforts to reform the code have played out over time. Yeah, and I think we, through the stories of these students, we also try to get at how certain groups are uniquely impacted, um, particularly low-income students. So can you tell me a little bit more about what it was like to be honor-coded during the COVID semesters? So for one, um, according to the Honor Committee chair, there were triple the number of cases compared to a typical year. And all accusations against students came from professors as opposed to from fellow students, since what it meant to be in an exam room was really different given the realities of virtual learning. Um, And one other big change that we covered was that the Honor Committee took on private professional investigators from Otis um, in part to deal with this increase in cases. So normally, um, and historically, two students from the committee would have been conducting these investigations. Um, Also, students were Zooming from around the world during the COVID semesters. So in the case of one anonymous student that we spoke with, her her hearing was scheduled from 1 a.m. to 6 a.m. her time. So this this process is obviously quite stressful, um, even in a semester where we're not where there isn't any consideration about time zones or um, isolation or being off campus or anything like that. So um, can you talk a little bit about those mental health effects that you mentioned? Yeah, so several of the students we spoke with who came before the committee said that they experienced severe consequences as a result of the entire process for both their physical and mental health. Um, And we sort of try to capture those experiences in depth in the piece. Okay, and what have past efforts to reform the honor code been like? Well, most recently, um, one change has been codifying the role of the peer reps in the honor constitution these past couple weeks. Uh, We also cover various attempts to reform the code in the past. Um, Specifically, we talked to alumni who were involved in the honor code referenda around 2017, who felt like their efforts were dismissed by the university, even after they pursued the institutional channels for reform. Okay, so if the listeners want to learn more, where should they go? Dailyprincetonian.com will have the piece up. It's a special web project um, designed by our amazing digital design team, and it's also in print around campus in a dining hall near you. Awesome. Thank you both so much. In other campus news, in line with Princeton's goal to achieve net zero carbon emissions by 2046, the university is replacing its steam-generated heating. According to Edward Borer, the school's energy plant manager, the university is currently building a district hot water system. They will also implement the Tiger Cub, 
a facility that'll extract heat from the ground and put it into the hot water system. This process is driven by GeoExchange, an innovative process in heating. Heat is drawn out from buildings in summer and stored in the ground to be used in winter. Although this system is expected to provide sufficient energy for the campus, on the off chance that it's not enough, Princeton intends to buy renewable energy from offshore wind power systems. The university also plans to increase energy efficiency while maintaining the integrity of the buildings by improving doors, windows, and insulation. The undergraduate student government is holding elections beginning December 6th, the second week back from Thanksgiving break. Various executive office and class senator positions will be on the ballot. Campaigning will begin on November 29th, and students interested in running must attend at least one of two open houses. Class Senate candidates must have a petition with 25 signatures by 11.59 p.m. on November 23rd in order to be on the ballot. Executive office candidates must achieve 50 undergrad signatures by the same date. In sports, men's soccer lost in their first round NCAA tournament matchup at St. John's last night. The loss to their New York City rivals marks a disappointing end after an Ivy League championship season. The women's soccer team travels north to Piscataway this afternoon to take on the number eight ranked TCU in the second round of their NCAA tournament run. After handling Vermont 2-0, they became the only Ivy League squad to make it past the first game of the competition. And tomorrow, our football team travels to Philadelphia to take on 1-5 Penn in the season finale. A win will secure at least a share of the Ivy League crown. The Tigers will need a brown upset over Dartmouth to have a chance at winning the title outright. Today will be sunny, albeit a little chilly. The temperature high during the day will be 48 degrees, and at night it will fall to 27 degrees. That's all for Daybreak today. Today's episode was written by Mark Didici, Eli Costa, and Carrie Liang, sound engineered by me, and produced under the 145th Managing Board of the Prince. Our theme was composed by Ed Horan, class of 2022. For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Hope Perry. Have a wonderful weekend.